Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Thank you, JJ, for that awesome introduction, and I also want to thank all the listeners from all over the world who listen to our show twice a week. Never, ever give up hope. It is our listeners that are making this show successful, and I thank you so much. I also thank you for your comments and your reviews, and my guests are awesome. There are so many people out there that need to hear hopeful, inspirational, motivational stories such as the ones that my guests have. And I thank them for sharing their lives with us and for giving us encouragement on a regular basis. That is what is making this show a success. So again, thank you. With me today is Daniel Blanchard. He is an educator, an award-winning author, a mentor, an international speaker. Daniel is a voice to be reckoned with. He is an inner-city school teacher and coach. He was picked by the American Federation of Teachers as the face and voice of educational reform, and he has recently been appointed by the Speaker of the House to the Special Education Advisory Council to Connecticut State Department of Education. And he will share what that's all about in a few moments. He has a unique insight and understanding of teens. And his book series, Granddaddy's Secrets, are written for teen leadership and mentoring. He was on my show a few months ago And I was so impressed with what he had shared, as well as many of the listeners, that we have asked him back, because he is going to share even more insight with us today. And you will will not want to miss any part of either one of these interviews, which will both be available at the end of this show. So welcome back, Daniel. Thank you, Carol. I'm happy to be here. So that introduction was a mouthful. You need to explain to us um, your recent appointment. Well, to be honest with you, every time I hear that introduction, I'm just like, wow, that's me. I'm amazed that that is me. That's so but, cool. um, I, I definitely appreciate that uh, great introduction. So my recent appointment by the Speaker of the House, uh, Brendan Sharkey, he appointed me to the Special Education Advisory Council to the Connecticut State Department of Education. And I gotta tell you, uh, Carol, I'm just so excited about all the great things that have been happening. I mean, just a year ago, I was with the team that uh, brought forward the Connecticut Social Studies Frameworks, 
and I testified at the Connecticut State Department of Education for that. And now this year, I have been appointed as a special education advisory council member to the Connecticut State Department of Education. And what that is, is a lot of people may not know this, but I I, I taught special education and regular education at all three levels Mm. of the elementary, elementary, the middle and the high school level. So I, I do a lot of things on both sides of the aisle with regular education and special education as well as like, you know, uh, educational issues, because I have been involved with a lot of things on, on that through the Teachers Union and the American Federation of Teachers and other things. But with this particular appointment to the uh, Special Education Advisory Council, uh, which I will be advised in the Connecticut State Department of Education, the thing we're going to focus on is what's called the IEPs, or the uh, Individual Education Plans or Programs for our students, specifically, you know, our, our needy students. We want to be looking at their plans and their programs and seeing, you know, are these kids getting what they need to succeed or are some of these kids, you know, falling through the cracks? And, you know, as you know, you know, over the years, have fallen through the cracks and they probably will continue in some places to fall through the cracks. But we want to try to, we want to try to make that like smaller, smaller where we're, where we're servicing our kids and looking at the programs, looking at the plans, and finding out, you know, what exactly do they need? And I got to tell you, I'm very excited to be on this because I'm like, you know, the teacher. I'm the teacher that's down in the trenches, and now, yeah, uh, yeah now I'm going to be that teacher voice in the uh, Connecticut State Department of Education. So I-, I feel so happy for me and for, like, all my fellow teachers that, you know, want their voices heard. Yes, absolutely. And it takes somebody with passion like you have. That's one of the things that so impressed me the first time we talked. You have a passion for kids, and you have a passion for teaching, and it comes across. Mm -hmm. And so they made the right choice. And Oh, yes, absolutely. I agree (laughs) with you fully, Carol. They made the right choice. And I got to say, like, the American Federation of Teachers uh, of Connecticut, they get one seat uh, on this mm, console. Mm. And out of all of the teachers in Connecticut, I don't know how many there are, but there's got to be a lot. Out of all the teachers in Connecticut for that one seat, they chose me to be the, the representative of, of Connecticut teachers. Well, so, there won't uh, be any 11 with you, right? There won't be any yeah. 11 with you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just teasing you. I'm teasing you to keep I'm you a humble, very humble Daniel. <laughs> yes, I'm a very humble guy. But what's the beautiful thing, Carol, is I'm already getting emails from teachers, like all over, saying, hey, I want you to talk about this when you're there and bring up this and, you know, research this. And so I'm already getting emails from teachers. And it's awesome because, like, I, I, I can be their voice, which I'm pumped, I'm pumped about. And have you, with these emails that you're receiving, have you, have they been asking you to address issues that you were not aware of, or is it all things that you are already aware of? Well, well most of them I, I've already been aware of, but uh, some of them I, I didn't know they were as bad as they were. Mm. You know, some addressed uh, them like, oh, this is a little more serious than I thought. And of course, you know, the most common one, as you can imagine, is all the budget cuts. A lot right. of people have been talking, yeah, some of the emails or uh, messages about the lack of funding and all the things that have been cut over the last decade. It just kind of seems like for the last decade, year after year, it's been cut after cut. And it's like it's got to stop somewhere, you know? And what is your um, plan for that? I mean, can you can you give suggestions or is this out of your uh, territory or – 
Well, I have no power when it comes to the budget. I've got no power to do anything about that. But what I what I can do is I can get their ears and I can really put a bud in their ears that um you know that that there has been cuts year after year after year for the last decade, I'm thinking. Uh, and once I research it, maybe I'll find that it's been 12 or 13 years running that there have been cuts. But once I bring forth this information, which I'm sure they already know, mm. but once, I, once I bring forth this information and I, and I put it out there as a teacher speaking for the te- teachers, and, you know, I'm saying, listen, we know what's going on here. You know, we, we respect the difficult situation you're in. Uh, we know that these are difficult times. We know we all got to tighten our belt, but there has to come a time when you can't tighten your belt anymore, and you got to start looking for another direction for, let's say, some kind of additional funding or some creative ways to get more funding or get more financing or whatever it may be. You know, we have to start thinking about creative ways to uh, start making these things happen because, you you, you know, our kids are needy. They're yes. very needy, and you can see the things that have gone on in the news over the last couple years i mean it's horrific about some of these kids who are slipping through the cracks and not getting the help and the support they need it's it's horrific the things that we're seeing in the news absolutely and like i mentioned earlier it takes someone with passion for kids to be able to bring that to the forefront so let's talk about your uh teen years your childhood and what brought this passion in your life to help teens today? So recap a little bit about your life. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Carol, because I was just thinking about this recently. And I'm thinking that in many ways it's like a miracle that I'm here. And maybe because it's a miracle that I'm here that I have all this drive to help kids that are, you know, maybe hurting or a little bit needy. I mean, going way back, you know, there was my my mother had a very difficult pregnancy with me. The doctors told her not to have me. Then when I was born, I was born into a family in the north end of Hartford, where we were the only white family in the neighborhood. So there was that constant like you know like like racism or reverse racism going on. I was constantly fist fighting. Just a little boy out in the street, I was constantly fist fighting out there because my skin was a different color and I looked different. Uh, throughout this time, I'd gotten sick. I caught meningitis. I was deaf. I was mute. I needed an operation to hear. The doctors told my mother that I would never speak. Uh, you know, I lived in a very abusive home with a very abusive alcoholic father. I mean, I just got so many things that went wrong at the beginning of my life. And, and my life, you know, could have gone so badly. Mm, and, right. and, and yet somehow, somehow I persevered. And got through it all, and and I think that that has maybe put like a little bit of a fire in my belly, and has has really made me very empathetic to kids that are struggling today for whatever reason they're struggling. But you know, for, there's there's a lot of kids out there struggling, and I think they need somebody like me to be in their corner, saying you can do this. Yeah, I understand that things have gone bad for you, mm. but but you can you can do this. You know, you and you've got a choice to make. You either sit back and take, continue to take beatings from the world, or you go out there and you make the world your oyster. You know, so right, you can exactly. Do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very well put, absolutely. And it's also very evident, and I appreciate that. So let's talk yes. about um, your leadership series that you mentioned, uh, Granddaddy's Secrets. What can you share about that? 
Well, I got to tell you a funny thing, Carol, about the granddaddy secrets is I have my students to thank for that. Uh, I never was a good writer, terrible writer throughout school. In college, a professor pulled me aside and said, my poor boy, nobody ever taught you how to write. <laughs> you know, it was just embarrassing. But I got to tell you, I was teaching and for about a decade when I was teaching, uh, which I still am, but I'd say, uh, boy, maybe the year uh, 2000 to probably 2010, maybe a little before that, maybe 1998 to 2008. For that decade, I had my students continually telling me to um, write a book so I could tell other students the things that I tell them. And, of course, I was like, no way. I'm not going to write a book. That's embarrassing because then people find out I can't write. But after, you know, about a decade, I, I know it's, it was embarrassing. But after about a decade of my students telling me that I thought, well, maybe they're seeing something that, I, that I'm not seeing. Mm. And, and, you know, and maybe I should write a book so that I can tell other kids the things that I'm telling my kids. <clears throat> and then I started thinking, Carol, I said, you know what? I've got 30 kids in my classroom. I've got, I teach five classes a day. That's 150 kids, 30 kids in the homeroom. That's 180 kids. You know, I coach 30 kids on a wrestling team. That's 210 kids. So I'm like, I'm a positively affecting 210 kids a day, wow. give, or, give or take. But what if I wrote a book and told those other kids things that I tell those 210 kids? I'm like, I could have a huge impact on the, our youth out there yes. by, by doing something like that. So I, I listened to my students. I believed that my students were seeing something there. And I, and I wrote that book. And now I'm telling all sorts of kids about how not to give up, about how to persevere, about how to, uh, uh, to self-initiate, you know, how to work harder than the next one, how to, um, you know, read books, how to look for mentors. Wow. And the list goes on and on and on of the things that I've been, you know, that I'm sharing with the many, many, many youth out there. And what kind of impact um, so, has come back to you? Like, what kind of feedback have you received? Well, well, I got to tell you, uh, it's been awesome. I've been getting emails from all over the world, from people of all ages, and it's uh, you know saying that that they read their, my book to their kids, um, that they read my book, and it's not just uh, you know it's not just for kids, right? That's for for everybody, you know, um, I had this 83-year-old grandmother call me, and this 83-year-old grandmother talked to me on the phone for like over an hour, wow. and she was like, I just want to tell you that you remind me of my son, and I was like, really? And she's like, yeah. So, um, you know, I get people from overseas are, are emailing me, right. saying that they read my book and that they love my book. Uh, and every now and then you get the real powerful one, like the woman who contacted me back a while ago and said, you are saving lives. You know, what you do wow. is saving lives. And she's like, and I'm speaking to you firsthand about that. I know that for a fact that what you are doing is saving lives. Uh, so I hear something like that. And it's just you know amazing. How does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me feel like keep getting up early and keep working hard. Um, that's your motivation. Absolutely. That's my motivation because I got five kids at home. So for me with the five kids at home, I don't get a lot of time during the day because I, you know, I, I teach all day long. Right. Uh, and then I, I, I'm on a bunch of different committees 
And then when I come home, I got five kids that I'm running around the soccer, volleyball, <laughs> right. you know, football, everywhere, you know, horseback riding. I'm running around everywhere. So I, 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 uh, I don't have much time during the day. So what do I do? I do this stuff early, early in the morning and late at night, which means I'm not sleeping much. And so it, sometimes it's hard to get up to do this, but when I get these beautiful uh, messages from people, these inspiring messages from people, uh, you know, it makes me get out of bed and do it again tomorrow. So I, I, to those people, I thank. And I, I ask you to just keep sending me your positive messages because it's, it's, it's continuing to give me the energy to keep moving forward and keep doing all the great things I'm doing. Absolutely. That's great to hear. So tell us about the other book, Feeling Lucky. First of all, what does the name mean? And share that with us. Well, I got to tell you, Cal, I mean, this, this name, Feeling Lucky, it came from a pretty special place. What I was doing was over the years, as I was watching kids in my classrooms, and, and I noticed that like a lot of them thought that somehow like everything was going to be like work out fine for them and like they weren't going to have to work for things. It was almost like they were just going to get lucky and, uh, you know, everything was just going to go fine for them in their lives and they were going to land like these awesome jobs or whatever. And I'd say things like, hey, uh, you know, open up your book to page 10. And the kid would sometimes just be sitting there with their book closed. And I'd be like, what are you doing? You got to open up your book to page 10. And he'd be like, nah, I don't have to do that. And I'm like, well, why not? I don't need this stuff. I'm going to be like a big music star or a basketball player or, you know, whatever it would be. So I would say to them, all right, so do you have like a, what, like a little homemade music studio at home where you're practicing? And they'd be like, well, uh, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'd ask them, okay, uh, what position are you playing on your high school basketball team? You know, since you think you're going to be a professional basketball player. What position are you playing on your high school basketball team? And he'd be like, well, I'm not really playing on my high school basketball team. And so it was just like, wow, how do you expect to go to the pros if you're not doing the work necessary to go to the pros? You know, and so it was almost like they were sitting back just thinking that somehow they were just going to get lucky. Like someone was going to come to them and say, hey, you're like a pro basketball player. Or, hey, here's a music deal. Or, hey, guess what? Your great uncle that you don't really have. You know, just passed away in California and gave, gave you all this money that's not really there. You know what I'm saying? And so I started thinking that too many people are just sitting back, like, acting like they're going to get lucky or something. And I'm like, and that doesn't really happen. I mean, as people that have worked hard and have created our own luck, we, we know that we've created our own luck, that things just weren't handed to us. We didn't just sit back and do nothing. So what I did was, Went through, I, you know, I came up with the feeling lucky title, and I said, what I want to do is I want to change the paradigm of the word luck. You know, I don't want luck to be something that you just sit back and somebody comes and like delivers to you. Uh, I want luck to be hard work meeting opportunity, or preparation meeting opportunity. You know, and obviously one of the things that's needed in preparation is open up your book to page ten. When I ask you to open up your book to page mm-hmm. ten. You know what I'm saying? You've got to prepare yourself and you've got to work hard. You know, it's, and you've got to do it in the classroom. You've got to do it in the basketball court. You've got to do it in the music studio. You've got to do it at home. You've got to do it everywhere. And, yeah, I was seeing kids that were pretty much working hard nowhere. And it was really disheartening. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, come on, guys. We've got to work. We've got to work. You know, you've you got to make your own luck. So that's why I came up 
with fellow luckies. I really want to change the paradigm. Uh, I want kids to stop sitting back and just waiting for luck to come to them. I want them to go to luck by creating their own luck. So that's the new paradigm of feeling lucky. And what kind of results have you had so far? Well, I tell you, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody yesterday about this. And it was uh, a couple of years ago, I had this wrestler that was really, really good. And I used to drive him all around the country. And we used to you know, wrestle all over the place with some of the best wrestlers in the United States. And he did really, really well. Well, toward the end of his like senior year, and he had all the success. And, and I said to him, I said, hey, how did you get so good in wrestling? You know, I was there like every step of the way, so I know how he got good. Right. But I, I wanted to hear it from him, you know. So I said, how did you get so good in wrestling? And he looked at me and he goes, coach, I wanted to be like you. Aww. And I was like, whoa, there it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, I live my life yes. trying to work hard than the next person and trying to give more than the next person and I and I live my life trying to inspire our youth and obviously it rubbed off on this kid because this kid worked really really hard and had a lot a lot of luck and success you know he created his own luck you know by, by putting himself uh, you know in a position where he knew what move to do next wow. uh, by putting himself in a position where he where he wasn't running out of gas and at the end of the match, he could step up the intensity a little bit more and go a little bit harder, you know, when he needed that last yes, point. Yes, yes. Uh, so he created his own luck by doing these sort of things. And, and that's, that's what I'm trying to do to my athletes and my students is I'm trying to inspire them, through, you know, through living like the example of what I'm trying to teach them of working harder, you know, giving more, uh, going longer, you know, and doing all these things. And of course, always being kinder. Right. Uh, doing all these things to to create your own luck and to succeed. And for a lot of my students, it has really worked well. You know, and for other students, like I look at them and it's just like, you know, it just it only seems like I'm getting through to them a little bit. But the beautiful thing is, is that they come back. You know, it could be two years, could be five years really? later. They come back and they say, Mr., I'm doing those things that you told me to do. And it's made all the difference. So and, you're and getting it, through. I'm getting through. But the funny thing with students is that they're not a done product. And that's one of the difficulties with today's culture of standardized testing is that they're treating our students a little bit like they're like done products. And let's test them and see where they're at. For some of these kids, you got these things that are sitting in the back of their mind that they haven't moved up to the front of their mind. And they're not like applying them and using them at this moment. But maybe a year, two years, five years down the road, when they're in a certain situation, this thing that they got in the back of their mind moves to the front of their mind, and they use it. And then they find out it works. And then they can hear, like, their teacher's voice in their head or their mother's voice in their head or their coach's voice in their head. You know what I'm saying? And so what you did worked. It just, it just didn't work at that moment that you had that kid, let's say, in front of you. But years later, that you're in that kid's head. And to me, that's a huge success if going through life, that kid has positive messages yes. and inspirational thoughts and just practical, pragmatic things that work. You know, they have that in their head going forward for the rest of their lives, and they're able to apply it from time to time. 
I think, you know, a, a coach, a teacher, a parent has made a huge difference. And well, you don't just you just don't talk the talk, you walk the walk. And you also mentioned that. And that has to make an incredible impression. They're not just listening to your words. They're watching you and seeing um, no. you are, you know, walking the walk, plain and Absolutely. simple. And that yes. speaks louder than words a lot of times. Oh, it sure does. And one of the things, Carol, I say to teachers is, uh, you know, I speak in front of teachers, teacher audiences. And, and one of the things that I try to tell them, I said, hey, listen, you know what? Believe it or not, you have to be more dynamic than the kid sitting next to the kid that you're trying to get to. Mm. Because if, <laughs> if you're not more dynamic than that kid sitting next to him or sitting next to her, right. that kid that you're trying to get to is going to pay attention to their neighbor instead That's of right. you. So you have to be more dynamic. You have to be inspirational. I'm like, you know, you could do things, uh, you know, go kayaking. Go kayaking and then Monday morning, bringing that story that you went kayaking. You know what I'm saying? Go train for a marathon. You know, uh, go take a, some kind of like adult education class. Uh, why don't, you know, start living your dreams. You know, just because you're a teacher or a parent or an adult doesn't mean that you can't go back to those dreams that maybe you have abandoned and live those dreams and when you live those dreams trust me our youth is going to see that yes they're going to see yes they're going to see that you're doing something and they're going to be inspired and they're going to be a little quicker to listen to you because they see that you're doing something you know go go hit the gym you know saying uh do whatever you got to do to to live that life that you know you should be living and when you do that you'll inspire our youth and our youth will want to know what you know. Plus and, it's good for them. You know, it's good for, it's good for the teachers, like you said. It, it helps yes, them in their own lives, you know, if, along with what they're um, showing the kids. So that's excellent. Oh, absolutely. It's such a high burnout rate among teachers. Yes, yes. You know, and parents. Parents, is a, it's a hard job. And we think that we just have to give, 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 because that's, that's in our nature. That's what we do. Uh, but at the same time, we have to do something for our ourselves and we have to constantly be working on ourselves and being lifelong learners and when we do that stuff we're able to give better and give more well you also like yourself more and i think that the kids pick up on that very quickly too oh they absolutely do carol you're right Mm -hmm. so what about um you you had mentioned at some point that sports and extracurricular activities were very important. Do you want to share about that and what kind of impact it makes on their lives? Absolutely, Carol. It took me a long, long time to learn this lesson. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't good at too many things. But one thing I did become good at was sports. And I was very lucky to live in a great football town. And I played on a great football team. And you know, and learned how to play football well and got a lot of trophies and, you know, became state champs, had a, had a couple undefeated seasons in there, you know, all that great stuff. So I was having so much success in football, but not a whole lot of success anywhere else. And then one day, uh, one of the football players' fathers approached me, and he was a wrestling coach, and he approached me and asked me about wrestling. So I went and tried it and then had an incredible amount of success in wrestling, you know, and football. And in wrestling, I became a two-time state champ. Two-time junior Olympian wrestler, wrestled the Junior Olympics twice out in Iowa. Um, a decade later, ended up being the wrestling coach for the Junior Olympics twice out in North Dakota. 
and uh, just had incredible success with sports. And what happened was it was a slow process, and I didn't realize it was happening at the time. But after all these years of thinking about it, I've finally been able to identify what happened. And because I had so much success in football and an incredible amount of wrestling, like I felt really good and really confident in those areas, but not so good and not so confident in other areas. Well, eventually what happened was, because I just continued to have success after success after success in sports, that eventually my success habits mm. started, started spilling over into other areas. It took me a long time, but I was able to spill this over into like the, the army and then eventually into the classroom. And I was eventually able to complete 14 years of college and get seven degrees. And I was able to spill over these success habits into teaching, you know, say to authoring and to mm -hmm. speaking. And, and it took me a long, long time to figure this out because I didn't know what was happening when it was happening. But now that I know <laughs> what happened, yeah, now that I know what happened, I tell people all the time, try to get really good and confident in one thing that you love. And then when you get really good and confident in that one thing that you love, just slowly start transferring what you do to be successful there to another area. And once you find yourself, you know, successful in two areas because you have success habits and successful behaviors in those two areas, then do the same things, spill that over to a third area. And next thing you know, you can be good at a lot of different things. You could be a great athlete, a great student, a great parent, you know, a great speaker, uh, a great interviewer. Uh, you could be really good at a lot of things because in the end, you know, there's a recipe for success. There's certain behaviors that if you behave in these certain ways, you're going to be successful. And it's, it's that simple. It's not easy, but it's that simple. You said it right there. It's not easy, but it's that simple. And that goes right along with your book, Feeling Lucky. You know, it doesn't matter if we're a teenager or an adult. We sometimes think that we're going to win the lottery and our life is going to change and don't want to put mm -hmm. in the effort. And um, you hit the nail on the head. Giving the steps to success, you have to start the first step. You can't just go to the last step and expect to be successful. Oh, so absolutely. that's very well put and, and showing that, not only showing it, but living it in front of your students and the parents and the teachers. It's not just yeah. the kids that are watching you. The parents and the teachers are watching you too. And, oh, absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, and my goodness, my hat again is off to you. Um, Thank you. And I've been very fortunate with a point where I've been given the opportunity to speak in front of groups of teachers on a regular basis. Yes. And, and and now I'm being actually pulled in to um, speak in front of parents and to write parent columns. I have a, a, a couple of new columns that are actually starting very soon. Oh, okay. And it's going to be, yeah, I, you know, I have the granddaddy secrets for teens out there uh, in a bunch of different places. But I'm, now I'm actually going to be starting another column. I actually have 12 different columns, believe it or not. But uh, I'm going to be starting another column on Granddaddy Secrets for parents. Uh, because Yeah, I'm very excited about this new opportunity to help parents because being a parent's hard. It's very hard. And, we, you know, every one of us could use any help we could get. That's right. Well, that actually leads me 
to my next question because I was going to ask you to share some of the secrets for parents to help their children become successful. So what can you give us in a nutshell? I got to tell you, this is something I tell parents all the time. You know, I get parents that come into me frustrated saying, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything with this kid. You know, I've taken away his electronics. You know, I've grounded him. He doesn't care. You know, he's been in his room for like a week. He doesn't care. He doesn't listen. So, so, I mean, I've had, you know, and, and the complaints go on and on and on. And, you know, the, the, the one thing that I want all parents to know is that parenting is very, very hard. And we have to, like, psych ourselves up sometimes for this job. And, you know, it's kind of like almost like you're stepping into the ring and you're about to have a, you know, say, you're about to have a big fight whether it's a boxing match or a wrestling match or MMA, whatever it is, you got to get yourself pumped up and put yourself in the right state of mind so you can ha- handle like your competitor and, 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 you know, teaching parenting, you've got to get yourself pumped up and, and, and at your best and at a point where you're, where you will not quit. You will not mm. give up because what I tell my parents is that your kid is listening to you. Yes. Although your kid may be pretending not mm. to listen to you and your kid may be doing whatever they can to get you to go away and to give up on them. Uh, I tell parents, hold your ground. Your kid is listening to you. And I'm like, and you hang in there and you keep talking to your kid. And you keep telling your kid what they need to hear. You know, this isn't always easy and this isn't what they're going to want to hear. But as a parent, it's your duty to tell your kid what they need to hear, regardless if it's hard or not, if it's uncomfortable, it, it doesn't matter. You're the parent. You have to do this. You have to hang in there. You can't give up. You can't quit. You can't go away when the, when the going gets tough. You've got to hang in there and you've got to just keep telling your kid what they need to hear because they are listening to you. And at some point when you're not around, maybe some other kid will offer them some drugs and your voice will be in their head, and they will say no to that kid. And as a parent, you will never even know this happened, but you had a huge positive effect on your kid saying no to some kid offering them drugs or stealing or doing whatever right, right. it is that kids do. And you never even know this, but you That's were in right. their head. That's right. You were in their head, so you cannot quit. You cannot go away. You've got to hang in there and realize that your kid is listening to you. And I'm sure, you know, I can see so many parents throwing their hands up in the air and saying, what's the use? But what you're saying mm-hmm. is it, it, you just keep going. You just keep going because you never know. And that's a very, very important message. And I'm glad that you brought that up. And at, <laughs> some point, at some point, their kid, all of our kids at some point will thank us. They, yes. get to a point, they get to a point where they finally start to get it and, <laughs> and then they will thank us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's a wonderful day when that happens, isn't it? Yes, it is. (laughs) One thing I was going to ask you, I don't think we discussed before, um, and that is what kind of impact do you have outside of your area? In other words, can other people tap into these resources that you offer? Or is it strictly for the area that you live in? No, uh, they can definitely go on my website. On my website, I've got... I've got a lot of great content, uh, blogs, vlogs, okay, uh, all sorts of interviews, 
uh, radio, TV, print interviews. I've got tons and tons of great, great content for teens and adults alike uh, on my granddaddysecrets.com. Um, I do travel a little bit to do like seminars or give speeches, but with five kids at home and they're all playing sports, I don't really like to travel far, particularly during the school year. I don't like to travel too far because I, I don't really want to be away from home uh, too much. But uh, if somebody wants to bring me in during the summer months or during vacations, maybe, uh, you know, I'm willing to travel to a different okay. state to okay. uh, put on a workshop or give a speech or whatever like that. But definitely go on granddaddysecrets.com and you can at least get a start there with some great content. Absolutely. And that will also be a, a link that we have to this broadcast. So um, it'll be available. And that's excellent to know. Thank you. Now, tell us about the recent life coaching certification that you received. What's that about? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Now, as I as we talked about earlier, like I had people calling me and emailing me saying that they, they read my columns or they read my books. And a lot of them say, you know, this stuff just isn't for teens. No, pe people stop, stop me on the road and say that this stuff isn't just for teens that you're doing. Um, people call me on the phone. They say these sort of things. And then, and then other people, they just come and they just want to talk, you know, or they just mm. want to, they just want to meet me for a cup of coffee. And, uh, probably like once a week, I, I meet somebody for a cup of coffee and we sit down and we just talk about life, you know? Mm. So, so as I'm doing this, these sort of things, a few people along the way have asked me, they're like, you know, you're not only really good with teens, but you're really good with adults too. So they've asked me, they're like, are you a life coach? And, and until until just recently, I've had to say, well, I'm not a certified life coach, and and you know that really got me thinking. I'm thinking maybe I should go and become a certified life coach. I mean, after all, I do have 14 years of college and seven degrees, so I I obviously do, do <laughs> love learning. <laughs> yeah, and I and I do love learning, right? And I believe uh, I've always believed that I'm a lifelong learner. I always have a book in my hand and a book with me. So I'm thinking, well, why not? Why not go through life coach certification and maybe I can learn a few things from there and, uh, and be able to help people even more. So I went through the certification process and I got to make, you know, most of the stuff I already knew because I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning. So a lot of it I already knew. Some of it I'd forgotten. So it was a great refresher. And there was a couple of new things in there that I was like, oh, this is you know, good stuff. So I'm glad I'm doing this. And, uh, and, you know, and then I had to take the test and I got certified as a life coach. So now, you know, I have another avenue. You know, obviously I have more knowledge in my head now that I can help adults. So, you know, I help kids. I help adults. I help all sorts of people. And I've got some uh, some other adults that are also like certified life coaches and also doing other things that have been asked, asked me to like team up with them to do like some life coaching seminars and some just good old-fashioned life coaching, sitting, you know, and right, group life right. coaching, and fun, fun, fun. so I've got all sorts of, you know, these sort of things going on too, and it's been, it's been awesome. I'm really happy that I, that I went down that road and also included the uh, life coach certification in my repertoire of uh, tools to work with. I'll tell you one thing: your excitement is contagious. Thank you, Carol. You can't listen to you without getting excited. And what shouldn't we get more excited about than teens and kids? I mean, granted, you're helping everybody, and I understand that. But, wow, to, for a voice out there that can help our youth, our future, 
It's incredible, and I thank you. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say, kind of to capsulize, or anything that we didn't I cover? Well, I, I was just this just popped in my head, Cal. Many years ago, when I was a young man, and I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, and I was a I was a wrestling coach and having great success as a wrestling coach as a twenty year old man, and um, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm like, well, if I become a teacher, I can keep coaching wrestling. And that's really what I wanted to do. But I really was worried about becoming a teacher. And I was like, do I really want to work with young, you know, like with kids my whole life? Is my brain going to get mushy? Am I going to talk <laughs> like them, dress, dress like them, act like them? I was really worried about spending like the rest of my, um, my, uh, my professional career working with the teens. And I was like, you know, all my other friends going to pass me out, you know, working in the business world, corporate world or whatever, they're going to just be like more intelligent sounding than me and all that stuff. And, and I got to tell you, Carol, I, I took the leap of faith and wanted to teach him because I, I wanted to stay with the wrestling, mm. the coaching. Okay. And I didn't do it because I was in love with teaching, but I was in love with the coaching. So that's the only reason I did it. And I got to tell you, there's been more benefits through working mm. with youth than I could have ever imagined. I've gotten super intelligent. My brain has not gotten mushy. You know, I've gotten super intelligent. I, I don't dress like them or talk like them, but I understand the way they talk. You know, okay, I get what point. I get what they're saying. You know, and I and I've made a huge difference in their lives and our youth has made a huge difference in my life. Uh, even encouraging me to write my first book. And it took them a decade of, of asking me and encouraging me to write the book. But they finally got to me. And they finally got me to write it. So I got to say, for anybody out there that's considering working with our youth, whether you're young or old, I would say give it a shot. It might surprise you. It really might surprise you. Well, what I'm hearing is it's reciprocal. Because you are learning just as much. Like you said, your intelligence is actually gaining rather than losing it as you're getting older. And you're not old. But <laughs> mm -hmm. but it's reciprocal. You're learning as much as you are teaching. Absolutely. And it's, just, and it's made me so much more aware of how important it is to be a lifelong learner. Uh, and, and I don't know. You know, Maybe I would have discovered that in a different route. But as a teacher... Um, there's, there's no other way to be a teacher unless you're a lifelong learner. You know, it's like a must That's to be a teacher. Very, being a teacher is a, being a lifelong lifelong learner. That is excellent. Absolutely. Like mm -hmm. So, as I mentioned way back in the beginning, Daniel, you are a voice to be reckoned with. And that voice is a voice that's being heard among kids teens, teachers, and parents, anyone and everyone. So you, it's incredible. I was so impressed the first time. I'm more impressed this time. Thank <laughs> you, I thank, I thank you for all the other things that you shared this time, and we're going to get this message out there. And who knows where you're going to be next year when we talk to you. Who knows, but I'm sure it'll be somewhere <laughs> good and somewhere exciting. That's right. <laughs> So thank you again. I appreciate everything you shared today, and we will be hearing from you again. Thank you, Carol. Bye-bye. Good talking to you. Bye-bye. 
thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.